Welcome to SAR JV's podcast, Sardisms. I'm Mariah Young, and today I'm joined by the one and only Kevin Monk, Managing Director of SARD. We both love technology coupled with great customer service. The main aim of SARD is to help improve the NHS, England's public health service. Healthcare and IT are ever-changing, and we are interested in the ways that we can help it evolve with the growing population. In this episode, we get to meet Andrew Samford, who is the founder of We Are Lean and Agile. Andrew and Kevin met at one of the NHS hack days and hit it off immediately. Andrew, more commonly known as Andy, has both public and private sector experience in delivering improvement projects and programs in change, improvement, and technology. As his LinkedIn profile will tell you, he loves talking about continuous improvement. Oh, and you'll definitely want to hear about his Lego business models towards the end. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, It's very exciting to have you here. So if you can just tell us a little bit about your background in project management. Okay, so I've always been a bit of a hybrid BA uh, project manager. I think it, it, it comes from working in a lot of small councils and small projects where you kind of got to turn your hand to everything. So um, I I started as a PM back in my Torbay council days. Um, back then, I mean, this is, I probably left there about eight, nine years ago. Back then, there was still investment in training, so you could get on the courses, you could do things like systems thinking, prints to program management, agile, well, not agile at the time, it was just just coming um, but lots and lots of training so it was really good um, we did lots of stuff in Torbay um, started I, I started in the post room in the benefit section um, kind of in a weird way really because uh, the the benefits team went for a night out and I was working on the bar uh, we had a little bit of a well maybe I wasn't too stringent on the time rules um, and then <laughs> They, they sort of invited me to come in. So uh, I fell into Torbay Council, um, started with benefits and then moved across. Uh, some money started coming in from the DWP for digitizing, for um, getting rid of your paper and putting workflow in. Um, so I sort of got involved in the tech side there and just carried on um, into transformation and program management. Um, and then sort of um, when I left Torbay, started to go contracting and working as a PM or a BA and helping organisations to deliver change and improvement, really. It was all about tech-enabled improvement. Um, and then, you know, about four years ago, um, started We Are Lean and Agile. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's a bit of my history. I'm I'm very much uh, a mixed methodology person. I'm not uh, down one particular methodology. Um, lots and lots of tools in the toolbox, and I think you need to deploy them all if you're going to deliver change successfully. So, I always worry when I hear people talking about how oh, we're a, we're an agile organisation or we are just this because. There's lots of problems in every organization and, you know, Agile, like every other methodology, like Lean, has its place and, you know, can do its best work in the right circumstances. We got a new project manager in, Charlotte, and she came from HSBC, so it's quite a, quite a, I don't know, quite a waterfall sort of method, I think, there for project management. And then when she's come to us, it's a very different organization. And and the project management style, she actually said, I'm going to approach this and work out a hybrid 
of all of these different approaches because it 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 needs to fit the culture of the organization as well as uh being some you know recognized methodology yeah that sounds familiar that takes me back to uh, i think it's uh, uh james womack um he wrote a book called gemba walks he was uh, one of the co-authors of the the machine that changed the world you know the original toyota book yeah he said the question he most gets asked by people is you know what methodology how do we get started with this stuff and he he always sorts of says to them well you know have a look around pick the best of the methodologies and fit it to your organizational culture and get going you mm. know don't don't spend three years researching it's about pull it in get started and i think i think if you truly operate in an improvement way then you're going to continuously improve how you deliver improvement so yeah. you know it's a, it's a case of get started and um you know, I think COVID has shown us, yeah, what what is it, Gartner say, three years change in three months or something like that, that people have delivered that, you know, you can deliver at pace when necessary. Yeah. Right. I guess not everyone's building a car manufacturing plant. I, lo- I love the Toyota principles, but well, we haven't built a car, nor should we. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but... but... I, I always say to people, Toyota isn't about what they did. It's about how they thought about improvement and empowering the people to do the work to do it. It's not about the tools because, as you rightly said, you're not building cars. Yep. It's about the thinking. It's about that everyone's empowered to solve the problems in their processes and that they respect people and that they constantly are trying to iterate and improve and uh yeah i agree with you it's it's dangerous out there because people sort of take lock stock what toyota did and let's be honest one piece flow and things like that don't have much relevance if you're not on a production line just like the andon cord although although with the andon cord there is an absolute you know truth in it and it links that down to agile you know really which is about solving problems iteratively as you as you hit them and not sort of just letting that production line carry on with defects in it and then suddenly reworking loads of defects down the line so Mm. do you think there's a danger that that the large companies um are obviously more visible you know we've all heard of toyota we haven't all heard of the 20-man engineering team down the road yeah. And so they may have practices that are far more suited to your business, but you'll never hear about them. And I know we've seen this in tech that Netflix, for example, has all of this microservice architecture. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of small apps all talking to each other over these sort of fast buses. Um, and I think myself and probably lots of other software company producers look at that and go, oh, that's brilliant. Let's try that. And of course it doesn't, it doesn't really fit an organization of our size and we're probably better off building these sort of large monolith apps and not having all of those macro service architecture. But of course you don't hear those people. Do you, do you find that happens in, in project management? Or- yeah. I'd, I mean, I think there's a danger with models that people just grab them and pick them up. And again, it goes back to, like I said, with Toyota, Toyota and lean is not about, the things that they did it's about the thinking that they're applying 
So, you know, you don't just pick up someone else's model and expect it to work for you. What works for Netflix was the solutions to the problems they had. Now, mm-hmm. your problems could be could be similar. Um, I would doubt it if you're a small company, you know, I yeah. doubt <laughs> that you're going to have Netflix-style problems. Happy days when you do. Um, yeah. I'll be expecting a big check for the next one if you do. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a huge amount of innovation going on in smaller, smaller companies. Um, I'd I'd say the same with local authorities. We deal a lot with local authorities. That's my background. Um, I've seen some huge innovation going on in tiny, tiny local authorities because they have to be innovative. And when you start going and scaling up, there's some different sort of challenges for those because they are a bigger scale. They do have bigger teams. So they have to solve almost different problems internally um, than the little ones but it does mean the smaller councils can be more agile and can try things you know well because they have no choice really they are trying things with small teams and small budgets so i start, i was wondering that you're lean and agile the company are you going in and managing projects in those public sector organizations or is it about um, consulting on the process and getting that set up in that company. What's what's your sort of bread and butter work? Yeah, so um, our bread and butter, um, I mean, uh, We Are Lean and Agile came about when I had one of those, you probably don't remember, you're too young, but <laughs> Remington-style moments. Um, you remember Victor Kayam and the Remington ads? He, he I'm going to say uh, yes, because I'm probably older than you think. <laughs> <laughs> it was a razor and all their adverts were basically I loved it so much I bought the company well I came across this stuff um I got demonstration from the guys in Holland um Ted and Pascal and they showed me this and I just went wow that's amazing why isn't it over here Mm. um so sort of just spoke to them and said can I bring it to the UK because it's over in Europe very well established and uh they said yes. So um, our my focus from the very, very start has been this, this process improvement tool is so good that you don't need to have the training and experience that I've got. This tool helps you to map your processes, understand your costs and things like that. So from the very start, we've stayed away from consulting. Mm. I, I, will actively we've occasionally done bits and pieces as part of a sort of knowledge transfer process to run a couple of sessions um but that's where i really draw the line we do work with some partners now who can help people if they need that sort of support but our focus is we can come in we can train you we can coach you so that you can get that process improvement um team started and start to embed continuous improvement um, and you don't need us anymore. You can just carry on and you've got a sustainable capability. So we focused on getting the software out there as our primary aim and training people to use it and coaching people to embed and implement CI. Um, and recently, sort of, we've we've got a bit more involved in 
webinars and online events for for reasons that you'll probably be able to understand <laughs> given yep. that it didn't go anywhere. So yeah, we're we're definitely um very much heart on our sleeve we don't want to come and consult for you we don't want to do it for you we've got the tools we can train you in a day or so and you can be delivering far more because reality is for the cost of our license for a year that will support two or three analysts you probably get 10 days of consulting you know and i know which is more valuable so that's our focus um it's probably not the best commercial model to have adopted but um it's what i believe in and um i think i got burnt a number of times when i was on the other side of the fence by Mm. parachuted in consultants that you know weren't really adding the value that you would expect for the sort of cost of them so i'm very much a fan of growing sustainable capability in organizations and almost you know my success is you don't need me anymore yeah although hopefully you'll still come to our webinars and you know get a bit of coaching and see how you can get more out of it but reality is you don't need us in there for long periods of time it's far more satisfying i think to to have that sort of business i don't think any of us are really in sort of public sector tech at you know the smaller company end um for the money <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm sure if you're in a, you know an ibm or a uh, mckinsey or something then i'm sure it could be quite lucrative <laughs> well we're working in a niche um and it's quite funny people told me process was a niche and i in the last couple of weeks i've been thinking about that and thinking well it's it's the biggest niche in the world if it is a niche you know how do we do processes better is kind of at the heart of every tech thing we're going to do and probably every business thing we're going to do and um historically we're not that brilliant at it. no it's a hard thing to get right we we have a um an issue um sometimes at work where we look for technology and software because I think we're technology, you know, we're software minded, a tool to solve a problem rather than a process to solve a problem. Yeah. And that's, it's so, it's so, you know, it's so easy to get dragged down that route of, well, we'll find a thing and it will sort out our project management problems. So <laughs> it'll sort out this problem over here when in reality it's, no, here's, here's a set of steps. That, that you should do regularly and this is the process and if you do them then this thing will be better managed it's it's a real bugbear of mine because i've seen it happen i worked on projects like this and um as a contractor you only ever tend to get projects that are a little bit stalled um because generally you get brought in as a contractor because we've had a go now there's a bit of heat on it and we need to sort it out um and almost all of those projects were ones where solutions were bought and they were now in the process of going great we've stood up solutions and we now need to leverage our processes into those solutions and it's always the wrong way around you're always fighting you know you can turn it around and you can get the best you can from the software but there's always significant compromises in there because you haven't understood your problems first um and often you haven't involved the people 
you know, at the sharp end and people that are doing the work that really know what the work is that's going on. Um, and that's where we, you know, in terms of the software, the way it works and the way some people have it deployed, like City of Edinburgh, they've got over 200 people in the business, you know, mapping processes and understanding them. So instead of getting these kind of fag packet business cases that used to come forward, we've got an idea we'd like to do this. Everything comes forward with a, here's our current process, here's the challenges we found, here's the future process, and here's the benefits of making that change. So it makes it really scientific, but... It's never a blank canvas then you're always taking some existing process really and refining it or improving it generally a lot of the time yes because um it, it's rare that there's um, something completely new, um, but certainly stuff we're hearing from the customers about the way they designed under COVID, it's really refreshing to hear them say, we actually designed it from scratch in the tool. You know, it's a brand new thing. It's, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the support networks that were put up under COVID and, um, you know, even Edinburgh talked about designing a order kit for your home because everyone was working but they actually designed it from scratch so they could visualize it and make sure it was lean which is so so rare because what we normally do as organizations is something brand new we'll we'll chuck it in there we haven't necessarily looked through the process we've got an idea and we'll we'll get something out there and we'll only come back to the process when we've got some problems a little bit further on so it's really refreshing to see that, you know, people were using it as a service design tool as well. So the city of Edinburgh are doing things right then in your book. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we've got loads of customers doing good stuff. We've got uh, Cheltenham, Sedgemoor, Councils, Exeter, Teambridge, Mid Devon, East Devon, uh, South Hams, West Devon, Glasgow, Cardiff, Carmarthenshire, Pembrokeshire, uh, Scottish Borders, Firefighters Charity, um, wow. HM Courts and Justice. Uh, loads and loads of people in the city of Edinburgh have gone full full bore into improvement. Um, they're connecting up uh, robots and automation. They've brought the two teams together. Um, and they're really, really driving continuous improvement in the whole organisation. I trained two cohorts of 10. I was on site probably I've been three and a half days across a couple of years now. Um, they've trained 200 people themselves from that small core team that we um, help train and support and have coached over the, over the years, but they've done it all themselves. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really good thing. It's what I've believed in, but it's nice to see... See someone actually really yeah. take, take your advice and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what, what's really amazing for me about them is every single time I've had to go there to coach them, I've always been challenged with what are others doing that's better than us, which has been wow. quite hard at times because in the UK they've been the best, you know? <laughs> But fundamentally, they're still looking to find where they aren't using it. So it actually wasn't hard because you just sit down with them and understand where they're going and what 
what exactly they're doing and then help them fill in some of the gaps and just accelerate on to the next thing. What, what does that look like for the end beneficiary of those improvements? So if you're a City of Edinburgh resident, I don't know what they're called, an Edinburghian? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I've been there a few times. No, I don't know. An Edinburgher. <laughs> that probably is a name for them, but not one we could use on a public prod. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not when you're English. No. So for me, what it does is it means their whole improvement process is slicker, faster, more objective. Um, one of the key drivers when they got involved in us that they 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 were having a challenge with was a mass of projects. Um, they actually do have outsourced IT as well, so that can be a, a challenge. You know, that's another hurdle in the way. Um, but they had a mass of projects, and how do we, you know, decide which ones we're going to take forward? Mm. Previously, the, the the benefits calculations would have been. Um, at best sort of high level estimations at worst some of the projects probably didn't have that at all so one of the things they did straight away was was be able to show that with a day or so's effort they could totally understand the current process and then the future process could be redesigned as well within that and then they were able to talk about real money you know, what does this mean in terms of speed, in terms of cost, um, potentially as well in terms of, you know, the way they deliver, whether they deliver it themselves or whether they um, take a partner to do some of the work. So the main thing I would say is it's that whole governance piece. It's enabled them to be a lot better about it, which means they're doing more of the right things that are delivering more benefits, more predictably and faster, um, which is where you need to be, you know, because we, we live in a world that's constantly changing. So we need to be agile with our processes um, to enable us to be agile with our creation of solutions um and i've i've seen in other places it's not rare for me to see you know uh, uh, um an improvement project that maybe goes on for six months elapsed time you know and maybe 20 30 40 meetings in there whereas the reality is you can do it in a couple of days you know even with a complex process the, the the worst process i would say five days elapsed time you will you will have bottomed it out beyond belief um so yeah it's all about speed pace of delivery reliability efficiency effectiveness um and um yeah, I suppose the other thing that's been amazing with Edinburgh is that they've had a lot of changes of team within that period. So it started with one team, it moved to another. That team then moved, uh, merged together. Various people have gone. Often that can slow up an organisation, but there's been no no change in the pace. They've that this has carried on. Um, irrespective of the change of staff, you know, and um, that can often hamper us and hold us back quite a lot. But I won't just talk about Edinburgh because that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a moment to discuss Sard's newest product, eRostream. It's a product that 
can be really hard to describe, but I'll give it a go. It's all about declarative artificial intelligence. Essentially, e-rostering is a system that does the maths for you. Most people understand rostering, which can be a really complicated and a difficult process trying to match up the needs with the wants. E-rostering takes that very complex method and simplifies it. It does the job for you. It takes out the guesswork and in a matter of seconds creates the perfect roster for the workplace as well as the employee. To find out more, please visit our website, sarjv.co.uk forward slash products forward slash e-rostering. One of our chat boxes will pop up and you can get in touch with our customer service team to learn more. Our clientele is obviously the NHS. We work very close to the NHS. We met at NHS Hack Day. So this, these process improvements would apply to a hospital yeah. equally well. Have you, have you been working on sort of hospital Improvements. I, I see them as both massive organizations. What I've learned working with the NHS is running a hospital is really hard. Like you say, you yeah. probably go in there and there's, there's a hundred, if not a thousand different processes going on. They're just difficult things to run. Yeah. And, and the interconnected nature in a hospital as well brings up that level even more, doesn't it? When you think from the front door with A&E, but then you've got other front doors with normal surgery, elective surgery, um, and you've got targets all over the shop that drive process behaviours, not necessarily for the best, that's for sure. Um, I think one of the most wasteful targets there is in terms of, you know, knock-on effect is the four-hour A&E. Because um, the work that goes on to try and meet that is just ridiculous, you know, and it's not value. It's, yeah. it's just literally trying to meet a four-hour target. Um but yeah, in terms of sectors, um, processes cross everything. Um, I decided to start with local government because that was my background. Mm. Um, we're now working with um, health, social care organisations. We're working with private sector organisations, charities. Everyone's got processes. Processes make up all of our organisations and... Um, depending on where an organization is and what they've already got in place, we we can help uh, with most of them. Health for sure. I mean, just so much complexity with health. I think um, I used to think local authorities were complex with, you know, multiple departments in silos, not operating necessarily as a whole entity. And then you look at the complexity of the NHS or on, on top of what is a complex service to deliver, but all those different commissioning authorities and, you know, primary care, secondary care, NHS X, NHS improvement, NHS E. You, mm. I mean, you could go on literally all day. So um, totally and utterly we, we would, and we are helping with, NHS processes. Um, generally, if you've got a process, we can we can definitely help with it. Um, the NHS Hack Day was was brilliant. Um, I've always focused on those kinds of events. Um, I've done a bureaucracy hack with one team gov, and there was a local gov finance hack. Um, but going, um, I, I went there after going to Health Camp. Uh, I don't know whether you, you've seen those ones, which, which are brilliant. Again, uh, and one thing I really appreciate about 
a lot of these sort of camps is um, how as a supplier you're not treated as the enemy. Yeah. You know, treated as part of the solution um, because there are still sort of events where it's very adversarial, you know, it's very much you're the customers and you're a supplier. And yeah, well, any, anyone who turns up um, voluntarily at some sort of government bureaucracy hack day thing is doing it because they're passionate <laughs> about change, right? Like, it took a long journey up to Cardiff from, from where I live in Kent. So yeah. it was, it was, it was fun. And I met you and I met a lot of other people who really were trying to, trying to make things work better. I was massive, massive energy. I, I enjoyed that day so much. I was, you know, obviously what's happened since has meant no more have gone on, but I sort of was um, trying to line up an Exeter one down in the Southwest because we're based in Torquay and they were talking about one. Um, so I was talking about to some agencies down here about getting a venue. Obviously that's gone by the by, but yeah, the the energy in the room how much people work together, you know, cross teams, just helping each other out. Um, and the stuff people built was amazing. In a, you know, in a two-day yeah. window <laughs> with not a lot of resources at your fingertips. Um, again, I, I thought there was stuff in there that hopefully has gone on, but I'm a little bit out of touch with it. But there were some things in there that I just thought, Wow, that's genius. Yeah, I think the thing that won it was a browser sort of extension that worked out if the medical advice you were looking at on any particular page was was verified by doctors or if it was just some woo. And uh, everyone went, that sounds really good because there's a lot of dodgy information out there. We should have that for everything, I think. All yeah. websites, just a little, <laughs> a little yes. button that goes... Is this BS? <laughs> well, let's be honest, there's so many affiliate websites out there that are literally up there to promote a product. So, mm. yeah. you know, and it's not always obvious. So the advice they're giving you could be lining you up. So I think, yeah, that was, again, you know, you kind of go, that's genius, but why hasn't someone done that? You yeah, know? exactly. You've got authority traffic and things like that, but they're very much advertising focused sort of you know seo type stuff not really is this good information you know what what's the reputation of this site and the information on it sadly my project came second to last i think oh. 20. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> loser <laughs> i can't remember where we came um, we didn't get a lot my votes i went round and um Check. I, I voted for the ones that didn't have many votes. I just thought, why not? Oh, Aww. thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it was just, you know, the effort. And I think everyone produced really good stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's brilliant. I'm hoping to do some stuff. Uh, I'd, I'd love to get a local government hack day going. Um as a supplier, I've I've had in my head for ages about I'd love to hack the finance processes, procure to pay sort of stuff because it can be really, really tedious and it's always almost always wasteful. Um and procure I think to pay. Sorry, what's that? 
So, um, you know, where, where an organization is ordering some services. So the things that mm. go on from getting it agreed, raising a purchase order and, and, and pay, getting you set up as a supplier and yeah. paying because everyone does it differently and um, it's a common process. Everyone, you know, public sector bodies should be doing it broadly mm. the same most people's financial regulations are very 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 similar um so i think it would be a really good one hacking loads of finance processes um yeah. being able to come up with some really good designs and innovative designs and sharing them out and hoping that you know innovative suppliers pick them up and and redesign i was on mm-hmm. a call with a new customer the other day and we were talking about finance systems and saying, well, yeah, our experience, they're all much of a muchness and none of them do what you want them to do in the modern world. They're, they're mm. very similar to the way the system was 20 years ago, even because, you know, it's finance and financial regs haven't moved that much. So mm. there's a nice big gap in the market for someone to come out with a real modern finance system that, yeah. That helps automate and make stuff easier. I oh, think. something that would improve the procurement process. That'd be great. That was my rant in Kevin, my podcast. <laughs> we can't talk about procurement again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I find it a very wasteful process. Um, partly because I just think there's so much there's so many relationships built up between suppliers and and so say say city of edinburgh is looking for its procurement for process improvement you know they've been working with you they know you they know it works the i i don't think that should not be part of the value proposition in a in a procurement tender and yet yeah you you'll be one line on an excel spreadsheet you know but meets meets this requirement does this yeah and have it, having been on the other side, and this is just the experience, but um, it's not the same everywhere, obviously, but you kind of get these um, RFQs um, written by a committee of people. So, you know, you might have 100 questions from IT and 100 questions from the lead and 100 from somewhere else. And mm. by the time you amalgamate all that into it, as an external person reading it, I don't know what you want because that thread yeah. doesn't come through. It, it It's 400 questions and, you know, they all require 100 words. And by the way, can you answer this within two weeks? That sort of thing. You know, I think mm. in one company I worked in, we worked out it was something ridiculous like 400 hours to get it completed. Um, mm. We had two weeks you know, so you were mm. talking a hell of a lot of resource. Wow. And that can only favour the big companies that have a procurement team of 100 sitting in a room somewhere that can be sort of engaged and, you know, yep. have all the examples nicely available. Mm. And ultimately, the, the procurer, the purchaser is paying for that. <laughs> and and what they're going to get is a solution less fit to their need because how do you find their need in a document so large so simple thing i i would love to see more of is is just supplier days you know just if you're going to 
do mm. something, get people in or do a virtual event, spend two hours explaining the outcomes you're trying to get to, you know, not, mm. not what's in the box because leave that to the experts, you know, they'll come back and tell you what goes in the box, but what are you trying to do? What's the key aim? What's the problems yeah. you're trying to solve? All of those sorts of things. Spend two hours at the start everyone's on the same page then it doesn't matter if i golf with the chief exec or you know i'm in various clubs or or i've got an existing relationship everyone's on a level playing field and you're going to get that stuff as a result of it i mean i'm lucky we don't mm. have to do a lot of full-blown procurements because you know we need someone doing that you know that would be a job for someone just going through our our stuff is very much you know we've got a free trial people can get started and they can go small and then mm-hmm. we're not hitting any of the um real procurement barriers um and it does help to yeah. be on things like g cloud and digital marketplace as well um mm-hmm. so people can in theory coming in and into a faster way of procuring Godspeed to your plans <laughs> to improve procurement in <laughs> public sector. Please get that done for us, Andy. I'd love to. Well, thank I, you. I would. And the weird thing <laughs> is the people working in it would love to as well. It's again, it's, it's an absolute classic one where they go, we need a new finance system. So yeah, of course let's go would. and understand yeah. the marketplace and the finance system and buy one. And actually you just need to do that little bit more work of going, okay, but what's holding us back with the current one? You know, what features is really important to drive efficiency? I was talking to one of our computer science graduates because we're on the University of Kent here and I was talking to him about the difference between academia and, and the workplace. And one of, the, one of the clear and obvious differences is that when you're, when you're at school or you're at university, the problem you've got to solve, the problem is obvious because they come to you and they go, here is the problem. Tell me the solution to it. There's so much in a workplace. You're like, I'm not sure what our actual problem is. So <laughs> <laughs> never mind the solution part. I'm not quite sure. You know, yeah. if we're building a new finance, you need a new finance system. Where, where are the holes in what we currently do is not obvious. And it, it's come clearer and clearer to me that actually get into the essence of what our problems are both internally but also our customers problems is is a really hard thing to do so it sounds like that's probably a starting point for a lot of process improvement is po- uh, popping the why stack is, is that one of the things you know why are you doing this why are you doing yes, that why ab- are you doing absolutely. that <laughs> getting the five whys um so really getting to the root of what is the problem not not what i used to always say um you know, act on the cause, not the symptoms. Um, and often what we do is we act on the symptoms, you know. Online is broken for us. Let's go and buy a new CRM online platform, you know, rather than, yeah, but why is it broken? You know, what's what's not working? What are the challenges? What do we want to do? What do the customers want? because that's the other thing they they're they're often a a by you know a line we're very focused on our customers and we want to give them what they want so have you got some user research and no 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 
Um, <laughs> but we want to give them what they want. Um, yeah, we just don't know what that is. Yeah, and you know, it's 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 hard sometimes to 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 do that uh, to take five minutes and take stock and. Yeah. But it saves an inordinate amount of money. I mean, you know, from a tech perspective, rework is really costly. Yeah, it is. We, we've been using Figma, and it's more of a sort of software design tool, but you basically mock up an application before you... That was always been wireframing tools. This one's particularly good, though. And, um, yeah, it, it's incredible the amount of time it's saved us just sort of compressing what we would have otherwise have built and then gone, is this what you want? And it's like... We can show yeah. this wireframed version of it and we get a much shorter turnaround time. And there's one thing that I really want to ask about, which is the Lego. Can I ask you about the Lego? <laughs> I want to know Lego. about the Lego. Yeah. <laughs> how did, what, how did the, I didn't get a chance to play. You brought some sort of Lego for business thing along, didn't you, yeah. to your, the hack day. How did that come about? How did yeah. you discover the Lego process? and How does Lego um, help you? workout processes so lego serious play how did i discover it well it was a bit i i'd sort of heard of it and um i was getting trained in a game called playing lean which teaches it's a board game it teaches lean startup um which is brilliant as well absolutely fantastic so a guy called bruno pesic he's done a webinar with us on um lean startup thinking in the public sector um he was teaching us over in amsterdam and there was about six of us and we were all kind of these sorts of improvement consultants from around europe so it was just a brilliant session you were there to learn but you were learning more off people's experience and one of them talked about lego serious play Mm -hmm. um so that piqued my interest i started to have a look around um Winchester University that we work with um, we've done some training for and some teaching Um, they ran a session on it and they had the founder uh, and I was hooked they ran about six or seven little short sessions with experts um, taking you through various scenarios so it's a really good methodology. It came about uh, many, many years ago, 1990s, I think. Um, some consultants were brought in by Lego and they were trying to work out how they do strategy better. Um, and obviously they tried lots and lots of different things. And one of the big things for Lego right then was they were in a real crisis, mm. massive, massive crisis. Because if you think in 1990, what they're doing is going, hey, we build bricks and right over here we've got these computer things coming through Mm. yeah Uh, i never thought that and they (laughs) yeah and they you know had to really change what they were doing um so um they created this methodology over time um and it's it's really simple it's a repeating sort of set of things um you start off with these starter kits um so they're little bags with enough for one person to do a simple exercise in everyone's got the same blocks and you might do a simple exercise like um build a bad meeting you know represent a bad meeting in bricks and it's not about building you know, a Taj Mahal or anything like that. Mm. It's very metaphoric. So you get 
very time bound. So that build a bad meeting might be three minutes build. Um, you work in group, small groups, groups of four around the table. So everyone builds for three minutes. Then one by one, you explain your model. Um, then the people get to ask questions about the model and the meaning of parts of the model. And the other rule really um, is about no one's allowed to put meaning to your model. It's your model and it's the model that is the thing. Um, rather than your opinion, you've made your model. This is your rep representation. So you can start with something simple like show me a bad meeting, but then you can move it right through, you know, this project, what's holding this project back. So now embellish that model with the barriers that you're seeing and things like that and then you can bring in all these bigger kits and you can effectively build a model of your workplace so if you were going for like a two-day strategy thing you're sort of doing these constant small builds everyone's equal everyone gets the same speaking time um, you then start to bring models together to build the bigger model of your project, your organization, any, anything you want, really. You can do it for team building. And it just breaks down barriers and it mm. unlocks creativity. A really interesting thing, and it's never failed me. I've, run a f I've never run them commercially, but I've run sessions at various events and in the pub afterwards just, you know, mm. for a let me show you how it works and everyone's always gone wow that's that's amazing you know yeah. and i'm a cynical apm i don't believe in these sorts of things and um but it's just that structure um lego open sourced it as well so you can download the methodology right but it is oh cool i mean it is one thing where they do say you should have a facilitator because it is really hard to be in it and facilitate it yeah. and that's mainly because what you're trying to achieve is this pace and getting people into flow mm -hmm. so you start with small challenges and then you start talking about business challenges and moving up and up and up but you're doing it at this pace in these cycles and working together and it sticks in your mind i could still explain the model i did at that winchester thing which was the first one which was the bad meeting one yeah i can look at a picture now and still explain what yeah what the meaning and was. have invented ways to improve those meetings i guess yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so and and it's amazing that's a really good one to try i always say people oh, we do are. that one we will <laughs> I want to. That sounds interesting. Is it a certain kit of Lego bricks or is it just like my son's obviously got a ton? <laughs> yeah. Bring a bucket. I'm a bit torn. I do like having those starter packs and they're about three quid each. The only problem mm. with them, unless you buy off like eBay or something like that, is they come in hundreds because they're obviously designed... So it's about 300 quid for 100 of them or mm. 350, I don't know. So I do like having them identical because it, it, it's another yeah. version of the leveler. But as you move through, you're bringing in other stuff anyway. Mm. So you're not just using that pack. It's kind of, if you're doing a, that example one, it's good to start with a starter kit 
and it's also nice to just give it to someone as well at the end of it and just go take that away yeah um you can use anything um and it is it's very metaphoric so the kits that they sell they do sell um big kits that help you run those strategy days and there's like connectors and things like that so they're all about the metaphor of business Mm. really but they are they're just a mix of stuff from duplo like animals sharks you know that sort of stuff and uh and and connectors and wires and wheels and things like that but yeah you can do it with anything in fact my whole hallway is full of lego that i kind of bought before i just bit the bullet and bought the pack Um, (laughs) but there's also there's like um i think there's about a 29 quid starter kit that gives you the starter starter kit but it also gives you a mix of the stuff that goes in the other kit so that's pretty affordable yeah tell you what mate give me your address i'll send you one yeah Hey. There you go. <laughs> Bonus. There you go. You got three bits. I knew it was a good idea to get you on. <laughs> it's, it's one of those. It really, really works. I was talking to someone on a webinar in, in America, and they were talking about how do we engage our team. And it actually really works remotely because you can be showing your model and things like that, um, talking through your model. But, yeah, it's – it's such a great way of getting that creativity out of the team and having a bit of fun doing it as well. Um, you need a camera if you're going to do it in the office because you want to take pictures of them because that could be part of the write-up, you know, is getting some decent images of yep. the parts and things like that. Why not commercially? Sounds great. No one said life has to be serious. <laughs> no, I, I, do you know what? I would be a very happy person if I could just roll around doing those um, because they are, they are really, really good. Um, I mean, you've got to be a bit timekeepery to be a facilitator, yeah. but, um, and you've, you've also got to understand the methodology because you're going to develop through the day. It's just like an agile project. Yeah. Start with a framework of thinking this is the first thing, this is the second thing. But by the time you get to the second thing, people's models could have taken you in a completely different direction. You know, you could be talking about serious team issues instead of the project. You know, the project could have been the reason you're there, but suddenly you're finding out team dynamic issues. So you need to then move the topics to start to draw out more information Mm. on that. But yeah, no, it's definitely... Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it commercially. Um, just very, very busy with the um, with the process stuff, yeah. Uh, and and uh, I think you got to put a lot of, you know, you got. I'd always want to be excellent at what I do, so I'd need to do a couple more courses probably and facilitate a couple more yeah. events as testers. But yeah. Certainly sounds like a lot of fun. I wish wish I'd kind of joined in in that project and had a go of it next time, next hack day, when we're all allowed back out of our houses. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I I don't know how they're going to pull it together because they must be so busy working in the NHS. And I know a number of the core team are core to the NHS as well. So, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I hope it comes along. I think there was a virtual one afterwards, but that just passed me by yeah. you know with with everything that was going on 
If there's one thing listeners should know, what should it be? It's not going to be a surprise to you that I'm going to talk process here. But um, yeah, I think it would be um, you need to focus on your processes. You need to understand your processes. Um, and capturing the as-is will give you so much information about what the challenges are, why we're not delivering and things like that. Um, I think there's so much to do coming up as well that we need to be good with process you know going back to that three years of change in three months thing well there's stuff that's been done that's been really good there's stuff that's been done that you know needs some work and there's stuff that's been done that needs binning at the end of this and we've got our original backlog so we need to get better at this the thing i describe process as is it's your foundation to build on you can be the best design thinking organization in the world but if you don't if you don't get that layer of understanding of processes um and i think it's about acting scientifically thinking about the benefits and um my key thing is enabling everyone to be involved in improvement you know it's not a central team you know i talk about edinburgh they have a central team but they operate as coaches to people so you know they're not the people coming and doing it to you uh they come and help you do your improvement and I think yeah it's quite important some of that language as well I often hear people talking about I'm doing an improvement project that's never the way I talk um because I'm not doing it I'm just the person typing into the computer you you people in the room you people who do the job you're doing this improvement it's all yours um and things like that so yeah get on top of your processes um and that'll provide you with a fantastic sort of foundation to go and improve and grow and deliver better for your customers. The one thing that I, w- I would say is um, obviously with COVID, it's been difficult for us. We, w- we were one of the 5% that really didn't have any government help because of the nature of the way our business is. Our customers have been brilliant, you know, um, because obviously, you know, new business sort of kind of went off a cliff for a little mm-hmm. while there. And um, having our customers and them still delivering and renewing and things like that was was fantastic and um helped us really have the headspace to look at where we needed to take things and what one of the things we did during covid was just make all training free and virtual straight away uh start of march um i came back from service design in edinburgh and um were pretty much locked down after that because someone had had it there so you were like, oh, I need to stay in. Right. And I was the one who was going early and saying to people, you should be changing your business models and going far more virtual. And everyone was going, shut up, stop reading the papers. <laughs> so scared. Just the flu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. What are you worried about? Yeah. And you go in, well, just look at what's happening in Italy. Look at what's yeah. happening across the world. We are not going to be different. Um but yeah, it's it's been brilliant because we have pivoted so much. You know, mm. we didn't really do webinars beyond the normal customer-facing ones, and we've had some amazing people. And I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed is how good the quality of the content that 
has been freely available and made available by people like ourselves mm. um, and experts in their field who have, you know, done the same sort of thing that basically hankered down and uh, the, I think I've learned a lot in the last three mm. months just by being sat at home and being able to, you know, attend webinars, um, which has been fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Andy, for joining us. Really appreciate that. No problem. Thank you so much, Andy. And good. See you soon. I can't wait to see the outputs. Thank you to all our listeners who tuned in to today's episode of Sardisms. We've really enjoyed having you and hopefully you enjoyed hearing all about Andy Samford's influence within the public sector and beyond. You can find out more about Sard by visiting sardjv.co.uk or send us a tweet on Twitter at sardjv or use hashtag Sardisms. Until next time, have a great week. Music